be upon you. Namaste and all that jazz. Welcome to Safe Abu Can Deals, the show with no name podcast. Yep, yeah, beautiful. Big smile. Come on, real one. <laughs> not, not an Air America smile, please. Okay. Thank you for flying TWA. Hopefully, we won't get blown up. So, welcome back, listeners, to Safe Abu Candles, the show with no name podcast. I am joined with my lovely co-anchor and co-host Julia Felix from Free Space International. Julia, would you like to quickly run through the Free Space International, what you guys are all about, in case our listeners forgotten the last seven episodes? <laughs> Forgot. Just in case, you know, we live in, I blame TikTok and Vine for our short attention spans. I really do. And listeners, if you're listening to the whole podcast, seriously, I am impressed. You know, you have no excuses for not being able to read a book or to watch Gone with the Wind, even though it is a little outdated and slightly racist, just slightly. Just a smidgen. Just a smidgen. Not as bad as Malcolm X, although that is about pure outright racism. But anyway. Free Space International. Uh, Free Space is a grassroots organization that offers supportive services to artists internationally. Do you know that Nicole and I bought matching SpongeBob pants this week? You told me. I'm very proud of them. They're the most now, comfortable uh, pants that I own. Okay, I'm, I'm always getting confused. In America, do pants mean trousers or underwear? Tra trousers. Okay. So what do you guys call underpants? Underwear. Okay. Did you check your audio volume? Can do that now. Okay, I'm a decent volume. I find it's a lot easier to just increase volume of the file rather than worry about distorted, messed up noise. Yeah, the only thing is, for example, when you laugh, like when you really laugh hard, you have a very loud laugh. And when it does that, it like reverbs in the mic. I should try not to laugh. I should try and be as miserable at all times as possible. I should always think of a kitten trapped in a washing machine, drowning to death, as its body turns into a limp carcass, banging against the metallic drum in a lifeless motion of dead kitten. You were, you were, you were. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I shall try and remain as miserable as possible by thinking of dead kittens. And I just want to point out to our listeners that I, Safer Bukan Deal, love cats like my ancestors. I mean, I'm not going to shave my eyebrows if one dies. That's what ancient Egyptians used to do when their cats died. You'd know, like if you ever saw an ancient Egyptian in the street with no eyebrows, you'd be like, oh, their cat died. Why? Well, in ancient Egypt, cats were seen as like, I know. Uh, it, it, like reverence. Did you know there was a temple? But no, 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 no. I understand the significance of cats to the culture of ancient Egypt. I understand it very well. I don't understand how that relates to shaving your eyebrows. <laughs> well, considering ancient Egyptians also shaved like, their why are, why are we going like almost full Brittany? <laughs> well, here's the thing. They also used to go full Britney so that they could wear wigs. Yeah. But their wigs were made of, I don't know what their wigs were made out of. Sometimes, I don't think they were made of wool. But I heard a rumor that the winter ones were made of wool. 
That would make sense, though. I mean, ancient if, culture. Uh, if the weather conditions were comparable to, I mean, I don't know how comparable to current weather conditions, ancient, like weather conditions were in ancient Egypt. Well, what can we say? I think that a petition needs to be sent to Netflix for them to put all the ancient Egypt documentaries back up because they're all gone. I can't find them and there's nowhere to do a binge. Well, I don't know. I think I told you I started, I binged season one of uh, Pretty Little Things. You were starting to tell me about it this morning and then I got super ragey. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, it's about, it's set in the ballet, it's set in the ballet school in Chicago. Did you just say Chicago? Yeah, Chicago. I know, you think, you think New York, you think ballet, you think New York, but no, they decided to, to go for Chicago. Did I tell, oh, I didn't tell you this before, Jules, or maybe I did. Yes, go on, your funny thought. Listeners, we might be here a while. Go, make, go put the kettle on, listeners, to those in Britain. In America, Nick, turn on your percolator. Nick, Nick just sent us a meme. It's a Bernie Sanders meme because no, that's no, all no, they've been a, sending. No, it's another Bernie. <laughs> to be fair, I sent you Bernie Sanders memes. Everybody's sending them because it's the first time in my life that I've gone crazy about a meme. Did you like the, weekend, did you like the weekend at Bernie's one? Yeah. This one, this one is Bob Ross painting a winter landscape. Oh, no, send me that one, please. I do love Bob Ross. It says, and we're going to paint a cold little Bernie right here and give him some happy little mittens. <laughs> I see it. Uh, we might, we might just put this as the cover art for episode. <laughs> and, you know, just going to do an entire episode on Bernie and memes. Hello and welcome to Safe Abu Candles, the podcast with no name. I'm joined with my lovely co-host and co-anchor, Julia Felix from Free Space International. Julia, in case our listeners may have accidentally forgotten the last seven episodes and what you're about and what Free Space does, just give them a quick refresher. Free Space is a grassroots organization with the goal of offering supportive services to artists worldwide. I can't speak because of NDAs about the other project that I'm also involved with, but I can say that Ronin Comedy, where your laughter is our job, works hand in hand with Free Space International on many a project from around the world, oceans apart, time zones are our only obstacle, but we plow through them regardless with a lot of coffee. So much coffee. So we should, we should look into getting sponsored by a coffee brand. Oh my God, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be so amazing, especially if they're available in both. Who would we get sponsored by? Well, we'd have to look for somebody that's based in both America and in Egypt. Now, unfortunately, the only thing that comes to mind is Nescafe. But, Ew. well, you know, I'm going to look into getting the Brazilian coffee house in Alexandria to be my sponsor. If they can be my sponsor... I'd happily do a shout out to Brazilian Coffee House on Champillon Street next to the Dentistry Medicine and the Delta Hotel in Alexandria, round the corner from the best Syrian shawarma restaurants in all of Alexandria. Beit el-Suri, which means the House of Syrians. 
interesting thing, if you ever want to know the difference between Egyptian shawarma and Syrian shawarma, it's the choice of bread used. That's the pretty much common denominator. Our, what we should stop talking about meat. Hmm. But yeah, pretty little things. Uh, it's, it's about ballet. It's about ballet. Um, about this girl, an African-American girl who's from Englewood uh, in LA, but originally from Chicago. And she gets the opportunity of a lifetime. It's a just, it's a real interested twister, thriller. I, I was expecting something like Black, I don't know why I was expecting something like Black Swan, but it ended up being pretty much like every media school, well, not media, every performing arts school that I've ever heard horror stories about. Like I've heard some real nasty horror stories about there's a there's a school, a well-known prestigious school. Like you know how you got Juilliard in New York? Yeah. There's a British London equivalent school of drama and performing arts, and it's got this weird nickname. I've heard horror stories from ex-students that used to tell me about ballerina primas pushing other ballerina primas down flights of stairs. Uh, sabotaging their meals, <laughs> you know, like, I'll just slip in some carbs. They won't know. And they get those really horrible, like, you are fat like a hippopotamus, you know, they're size one. Look at you, you are a fat beast, Miss Piggy Piggy. You know, they get those horrible French, you know, I know that I performed with Kamishnikov and the Royal Russian Ballet, you know, and you get those characters in pretty little things but i don't know i did i you know I, the first time i gave bridgerton an effort of watching it it wasn't my cup of tea but then i watched it a second time and i found myself with inglorious bastard syndrome like you know is this an inglorious bastards the the africa afro-caribbean queen and then i was like holy crap england had an afro-caribbean queen Queen Charlotte, you know, it turned out that the queen she's portraying is an actual real queen. And if you start to look up, you realize the, the hidden racism towards non-white people in history was even prevalent way back then. Like, yeah, sure, there was like leaps and bounds and fights and efforts to like bring down slavery and equality, emancipation, proclamation, uh, Frederick Douglass and so on and so forth. But when it came down to it, even Shakespeare pointed out the racism that exists in royal courts with his very famous look at jealousy, Othello. You know, that's where the famous, beware jealousy, my lord, tis the green-eyed monster, does devour with such hatred. That was Iago, the jealous guy. And they never even, they, they always used to refer to Othello as the Moor because he was from North Africa. Some historians debate that the Moor was Shakespearean lingo for dropping the N-bomb in the times of Queen Elizabeth's court. Others believe it was a term of endearment to those that work for the crown. 
personally, I think it's a load of bollocks because all of us are equal. All our blood is the same, essentially. You know, as a kid, I never understood racism. Like, as a kid, never understood it. The idea of disliking somebody just because of where they come from or the way they speak or whatever. And then as I got older and started to learn more about history and the ugly sides of history and so on and so forth, this dislike of people for their race as a reason has been in us from the times of ancient civilizations. When one kingdom conquered another and enslaved the population of the kingdom, they just vanquished. As eloquently depicted in Verdi's Aida, I don't know if you're aware or familiar with opera. No, uh, not, not really. That's okay. Uh, I mean, I was explaining to people in my Instagram the other day on my story that, you know, I was actually introduced to classical music first before I discovered pop music and rock and glam rock and all the jazz and rap and gangster rap and hip hop and R&B. Like my music taste is quite eclectic. I'm quite proud of the eclectic music taste I have. But yeah, pretty, the one thing I found annoying about TV shows, the reason why I'm, there's a part of me that doesn't mind watching them because I enjoy the fictional storytelling and the journey that you go on with the characters. Phenomenal. It's a Netflix original, and I'm really blown away by the the writing and the. Chicago. What show? Pretty Little Things about the ballet school in Chicago. Yeah. Um, it's just a really nicely done show. Like not your. It's not your Natalie Portman Black Swan. It's a. It kind of like it just even goes to show you how sometimes a certain. It, it's just it's real and it's obviously not real. <laughs> in terms of like, okay, really, uh-huh. Uh, but the music is nice and the dancing, the choreography is phenomenal. Like, um, kind of made me, I remember my mother, she always used to talk about like how boring the ballet could be. I mean, the music was lovely from the ballet, but to sit through an actual ballet <sighs> takes a certain, like, it's so weird when you ask people who listen to classical music, you know, there are those that love sitting through symphony performances. There are those that love symphony, opera, and ballet. Then there are those that love sitting through an opera, but not sitting through a ballet. Then there are those that like sitting through a ballet, but not an opera. I personally tried to, I, I say I tried. <laughs> My mom and dad, I went, I came back from summer school early so that I could fly out to Egypt. And then dad, I remember this dad and mom in the front seat and me so excited, decided not to sleep on the way to Cairo from Alexandria, from Agami. It was like a three hour, it was like in those days, it used to be two to three hours because of the motorways construction setup in the eighties. And um, we get there and in opera, you've got like act one, scene one, act one, scene two, act two, you know, so on and so forth. And this is the one I spoke of earlier, Verdi, who's an Italian composer, and the opera is Aida. The storyline is quite tragic, as are, <laughs> aren't they all in opera? They're all sad love stories. None of them are happy. 
They're all miserable. It's like all about sorrow and the bitterness. Anyway, so the story premise is about like this princess of the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh wants the, his daughter to marry like the general, but, or it might be the other way, no. And then the general actually is in love with the slave of the princess who happens to be the daughter of the Ethiopian kingdom that the Egyptians just conquered. So I, uh, so basically I managed to stay awake for the first act right up until the triumphant march, which is a phenomenal, if you hear it, you'll know it. It's one of those pieces you're like, oh, that's Aida. It's like a lot of universities and schools, high schools, use this piece of music for graduation walking. It's, forgive me for humming, it just sort of goes Na 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 na. Don't know this at all. Na na na. You're like looking at me like a, like an idiot, aren't you? And now listeners are even. Some listeners are going, "I know this. Oh my god, I didn't know that's what it was called." And other listeners are like, "What the frack is he talking about?" Okay, guys. So, me too. Yeah. Well, sorry. I'm sophisticated and educated. Forgive me, world. Um, but don't worry, world. Well, I, I, pardon I, me, sir. It's all right, ma'am, because I fell asleep after the triumphant march and like didn't wake up. <laughs> didn't wake up until the end, final scene where the two lovers, the two doomed lovers, are in the tomb and they're basically deciding to like Romeo and Juliet kill themselves for love because they can't be together in life. So they thought we'll be together. In the afterlife, that's how love is. You only get together when you die. Love kills everything. And to any of our listeners that are in loving relationships, congratulations. I hope you all die horrible deaths. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fuck you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, fuck me. It's been so long. My virginity's grown back. Priests are even starting to say, hey, man. You thinking about joining us? Because you've got like the same sex life as one of us. Well, I'm not into kids. Hey, not all of us. Hashtag not all priests. Is that going to get us in trouble with the Catholic listening population? That will get us. In no, but it will get us in trouble with my mother. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mrs. I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean it. I love the I Catholic. Already apologize. I sent her I sent her the link for the Elizabeth episode and said I'm sorry in advance for everything you're about to find out that you don't already know. What did she think about episode five? She, she, <laughs> she says she had said to me four times since the episode come, has come out, I haven't listened to your podcast yet. <laughs> Special episode then. Peace be upon you, namaste, and all that jazz. Welcome to Safe Abu Can Deals, the show with no name podcast. I've hogged the mic so much. Jules, what is going on with you and your Bernie Mac? Bernie Mac. Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Mac. You know, God rest his soul, I'm, Bernie Mac. I'm obsessed with frozen Bernie Sanders. Oh, I can't get enough. 
I am so obsessed with the meme. They are creative. There are some very, very creative, you know, and somebody even posted on their Facebook was like, I want to see Bernie Mac, Bernie Mac again, sorry. I want to see, there should be, someone should do a Bernie Mac and Bernie Sanders together with those masks and those mittens. Grumpy old Bernies. Weekend at Bernie's and it's just the two of them. <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's too. <laughs> <laughs> with a Z. <laughs> From the creators of How Stella Got Her Groove Back. <laughs> My current favorite is the Bob Ross one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I Well, that's the thing. Somebody posted say, I want to see Bernie Sanders from The Shining. And I literally went on Google like in a second and I found like images and GIFs of Bernie Sanders in the snow. He sat down at the inauguration. The news caught him and America had a field day, right? We were like, totally. this is what we needed. <laughs> we needed frozen Bernie. Thank you, universe. It's sort of like... And now America gets the well-deserved reprieve after Trump's tweets. Minor respite. Imagine a, a new frozen yogurt brand comes out, frozen Bernie Sanders. Ew. <laughs> that's so gross on so many levels. Uh, that's the thing about the internet, you know, like there's always like, I just recently wished one of my ex-students a happy birthday and decided to scar his birthday with the whole like, yeah, happy birthday. Uh, I hope life is treating you well. Thank you for introducing and ruining my life with two girls in a cup. It was my eighth grade history students that informed me stop, of this. Just, just stop. <laughs> just, I listen. I you was. Seen the video? I was in. Not only have I seen the video, oh, wow. I was in high school. I was in high school when the video came out. Okay, just, just, just. Uh, I think that's all the context we need. No, but picture it. I'm on the blackboard and suddenly my students all start saying, two girls, one cup, and they all start laughing. And I'm like, what? And they go, sir, look up two girls, one cup. And then I went and I met my friends that weekend. This is before, you know, Instagram and all that jazz. So like the only social media platform was Facebook. And you're not going to find two girls, one cup on Facebook. Not then, <laughs> maybe now. Maybe, maybe today. <laughs> For our listeners who don't know, we had to just edit something so that I don't end up in an five, unmarked grave. Five five years from now, it's just going to be a look. That one's going to have to be edited. That one's going to have to be edited. <laughs> we're going to get a lot of angry people. That one's got to go safe. You were good until that point. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I always take it too far. Now but... we're looking at legal action. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I am not bankrolling that. <laughs> but uh, no, that's what I was trying to say, you know, regarding two girls, one cup and the internet. I don't want to hear that phrase out of your mouth again, so much so that I interrupted to completely derail you. <laughs> not going to work. Anyway, so the internet can be this haven of interesting, funny videos like happy tree friends, memes, in all <laughs> settings. <laughs> Hold on, hold the fucking phone. Don't say a word. Did you just try, did you just try to counter two girls, one cup with happy tree friends? <laughs> Are you kidding me? We're about to do 
to the internet that you're trying to counter two girls one up with? That's not, that is not a valid counter. They're on the same side of the spectrum. You know what, though? Your argument, your argument was how too far two girls, one cup had gone. I'm not done. <laughs> In addendum, I would like to point out. Let's go British politics. The right honorable gentleman from Sheffield may speak. Two girls, one cup is a disgusting video and should it be purged from the internet? La 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 that is not a valid counter. They're on the same side of the spectrum. Everyone, if you haven't looked up Happy Tree Friends, go on YouTube. It's still there. This message was brought to you by Happy Tree Friends and Mondo Animation. Mondo Animation may not endorse the Show With No Name podcast, but the people who make the Show With No Name podcast are fans of Mondo Animation and Happy Tree Friends. Please sponsor us. Please sponsor us. Anyone, we're looking for sponsors. Please. I need me a glucose guardian. <laughs> so other than the Bernie Sanders in any possible, you know, 50 Shades of Bernie, what else? <laughs> That'd be an interesting name for a musical. <laughs> what else do you got going on in your life, Jules? <laughs> what else do you got going on? Memes and kitten training. What's going on? What's new with you? In the world of free space. In the world of free space, um, we got a lot of the organization done for the app. So one thing that we haven't gone into detail about with the listeners, because we've been having a lot of guests lately, is the app side. Mm, yeah. Yes. Free space started because over the summer and fall, I had a bit of a conniption when I realized just how severe the situation was that live comedy was facing in the UK, specifically stand-up comedy. I mean, I love all comedy, but stand-up, stand-up comedy is, is my love. Mm. Is, is, that's, that's, that's what I will go see every time if I have the choice. So you're not one for opera? Oh, no. I mean, it's, Theater, theater and comedy are two totally different things in my mind. I, I, I don't enjoy musicals unless I'm very high or very drunk. Or both. <laughs> or both. It's normally not both. I don't like the combo. No, nobody likes the combo. Ever since a Chinese emperor. The only, the only time I smoke when I drink is when I drink too much and then I need the weed to help me not throw up. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually... That's the I, only... I... I don't know if you know this, Julia, but uh, an, a, a Chinese emperor, and I think it was in 233 BC, devised the first surgical anesthetic by using marijuana and wine. Because you get someone, if you get someone drunk and stoned enough, I can speak from experience from one day at university being, and ironically, you know what? The only reason I know the date of that day, which was March the 15th, 2003, was because that was the day that the carpet bombing campaign of the Iraq war started. I, I got drunk because when, when you see your own country being bombed, when you see your mother's country being bombed into the Stone Age, 
and everybody around at the university bar is just getting on with their life. It, it, it just, you know, when you compare it to like, let's say the world emotion when say, for example, when Pearl Harbor was attacked, the world kind of was like, oh my God, can this be happening? But yet when the, the allies, which is America and Britain at that time, possibly Australia, commenced their bombing and carpet bombing and their invasion of Iraq, the world seemed to be having a nonchalant, indifferent, you know, oh, it's so many thousands of miles away from me. Why, do I, why, why should I care? And I got really, really drunk because I was still, <laughs> it wasn't the, it, it was just a horrible thing to witness. So I kind of wanted to numb the pain of it. So I got really, really drunk. And then when I got home, I got really, really stoned. And when I needed to go upstairs to the toilet, I got really, really passed out and fell asleep on the stairs. I can attest from personal experience that is not a, you can. I don't remember what we were talking about. Weed and want alcohol, like excessive amounts of that. surgical technique using it as anesthesia. But we were talking about something that led us to that because I was talking about my love of stand-up comedy. That's where mm -hmm. that's where I got lost. You brought up opera and then somehow we ended up at carpet bombing. <laughs> <laughs> my love of comedy started with Eddie Murphy's uh, Delirious. That was oh, I have been for like two weeks been watching delirious and raw repeatedly i have it on in the background constantly i love it that ain't no fire put that fire out okay we're gonna get yeah, eddie eddie go and chop down that tree we're gonna put a lot of gasoline put a lot of get that ladder away from here put a lot of gasoline okay get some matches <laughs> oh, that's a fire that's a fire oh oh eddie just just roll around on the dirt that'll that'll put out the fires it'll be fine <laughs> Uh, oh Lord Jesus Christ! My shoe! Vivian! Vivian! What happened? I fell down the stairs! Eddie! Eddie! What's wrong? I'm Vivian fell down the stairs! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, Eddie Murphy's delirious is like I saw that on video. Like at, Eddie, at, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy Raw is probably the first stand-up. It was either Eddie Murphy Raw or it was George Carlin was the the fir very first stand-up I started watching back when I was in grade school. I I would say that for me growing up. It was Eddie Murphy, but like the thing about Eddie Murphy, and I forgot, I should have said was it was on a VHS and I had to go to school that morning, but I just suddenly saw this cover of Eddie Murphy, you know, the cover of Delirious, like the him smiling and it's him in the red leather suit and the tape is sticking out of the VHS. So I'm like, what's this? So I push it in, press play. I don't know what bit it came on to, but all I remember is that my mother comes into the living room, turns off the, she was like, no, you can't watch that. It's for kids, you know, it's not for kids. And I was like, aw. But like, it became the, the go-to choice uh, video to load up with friends and watched it repeatedly throughout the 80s. 
And then I also got exposed to Cosby Show and Golden Girls and a lot of American sitcoms were very prevalent in the 80s in the UK. So we used to get yeah. like, we got Golden Girls, we got Cosby Show, Empty Nest. And we also got your soaps. We got your Dynasty, Dallas. And then we also got MASH. Yeah. We got MASH. That was... So my exposure to comedy was almost like delayed. So I started with like Dean Martin, mm. right? Bob Hope. Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the, that, the, right? The the vaudeville golden yeah. age of the fifties and yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, when yeah, I same. got when I got into comedy, that's what I started with, right? It was it was Dean Martin's Celebrity Roast was the first thing I ever that like if I think back far enough I mean I'm sure there was more but if I think far back far enough to my memory that's what I can think of right I think of like the old variety shows that were on mm. that's what I started with then I got into stand-up and I got really into um like Eddie Murphy and George Carlin Richard Pryor right that that whole era but at the time that I was getting into Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and George Carlin, everybody of my age demographic was watching, you know, like Dane Cook and Cat Williams and, and, you know, Gabriel Iglesias, you know, that was, it was like delayed. Like I was like, I was like a generation behind in what was happening in comedy, right? I agree. Um, I mean, for me, I think, my early influences like as a kid like outside of stand-up but in comedy vein was like you know british comedians like benny hill dave allen um these were storytellers slash sketch comedians but i remember mel brooks had a huge huge influence and impact for a couple not just like there were like three different things that were always contributing in my youth in my early years and that was like Mel Brooks, his movies like History of the World, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, and then uh, the Abbott Costello, like those, the double acts, like Abbott Costello, Laurel and her. But with Abbott Costello, because I was really into like horror movies at the time, uh, like the old black and white, Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, and when you had Abbott Costello meet Dracula or meet Frankenstein there was this one where they met all three of them and that was the first time I realized that there's like a world outside of seriousness that you know that even Bela Lugosi would be happy go on yes in in our episode with Tom I mentioned at one point my parents are boring right (laughs) and and when I say that (laughs) when I say that so I'm harsh. very grateful. I'm very grateful that they were boring because I was very much not. And that would have been a lot if they were also on my level. When I was exposed to, like from my youngest ages, if I look back five, six, seven to 10, that age range where your influence is what other people are giving you to watch. You're not quite speaking out yet. You're just kind of absorbing. There were a lot of things in our household. Like my dad would, they had the Three Stooges videos. At one point they got me Young Frankenstein and then my mom took it and was like, she's not getting this for a couple of years. Still one of my favorites. It's one of three VHSs that have made it through the 4,000 mile trip. 
there was a scene in Young Frankenstein that made my mother try to do the same of like hiding it. And the BBC were on my side. The British television was on my side telepathically because they kept on putting Young Frankenstein on TV anyway. So it was like, it was a futile, you know, like my mother wasn't always next to the TV. She couldn't stop me watching a lot of things, which is probably why I'm right. so fucked up. I recall the one scene that made her be like, no, no, you can't watch this anymore. It's when Frankenstein's monster has uh, Madeline Kahn in the cave. And he, he's like, <laughs> and, he just, he just, and he just gestures the, eh, eh. what's wrong with you? Speak. And then suddenly she goes, what? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what's going on here? But when I got older and I saw that scene, I like when I understood the whole <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. What? It's Frankenstein. You're putting me on. No, it's it's Frankenstein. You must be Igor. It's Igor. But they said it was Igor. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? <laughs> werewolf, werewolf, there, what? There, wolf, there, castle. <laughs> uh, listeners, you have to watch. Look, in this new lockdown of If you have not seen it, you must watch it. And if you have seen it, you must watch it again. It's a brilliant film. Good feel good factor. Three top feel good factors for Mel Brooks have to be Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles. And history of the world. I think I'm. I think I'm gonna try to do a like a a Mel Brooks marathon this Uh, year. He is a he is a comedic genius. He is definitely one of the like. I think his movies spoke volumes to me, in the in the breadth of everything can be made a joke. Everything's a drum. (laughs) Everything's a drum. I left my wife! <laughs> For those who don't know what that is from, that is from Auntie Donna's, is it Playhouse or Funhouse? If you have not watched Auntie Donna's on Netflix, how dare you? Watch Auntie Donna's, watch Absurd Planet, and of course, Matt Groening's Disenchantment. Oh God, I'm binging it. I'm going to start... I think I need something after the, the the bag of dicks ending from Tiny Pretty Things. That's the thing that gets that grind that uh, annoys me about TV shows is that they always have to do a proverbial cliffhanger. Like you know, Lucifer does well, it. Yeah, but it's 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 also necessary. I know, I know. Like like Peaky Blinders, they did that. You know, at the end of their last season was everybody's a- done it. Yeah, every I mean in like in one form or another. I think that's what I like about American Horror Story is that every season is on its own. See, this is this is this is where you and I are gonna are gonna differ because I will watch 22 seasons of a show. Um with without question w- repeated repeatedly sometimes that's that's that's, that's Um, fine i mean there are a lot of people that watch shows that have a lot of seasons in them yeah i i love a good cliffhanger i love a show that keeps me wanting to come back i i i love it i think it's phenomenal 
even Sopranos did it in season six. What they did was in the sixth season, they, they because like episode, season one, two, three, four, and five, there were like up to 12 or 13 episodes. And then when they made season six, it was 22 episodes or 23 episodes, but they stopped at halfway and it was a bit of a, a bit of a cliffhanger sort of continuation in the storyline arc. And yeah, no, of course it's like every, even films, like even like if you think of Empire Strikes Back, like the way Empire Strikes Back ends with them, you know, with Luke having a new hand, um, they're on that deck. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a movie buff. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a TV buff. That's definitely where my, because, because just like I said, I like a show, like I want something that's going to continue, right? Like it's why I like Audible. I can put it on all the time and continue through, through book after book after book in series, right? I, I enjoy the setup and constant continuation of a TV show that is well done and continues to run much more than I enjoy movies. But that's like a personal style choice. That's a personal style and flow choice. Like, I don't want something that's just going to be two hours. I'm going to be done with that in two hours. Like, <laughs> that's not enough content for me. <laughs> but you know what I found is a really nice substitute somewhere halfway in between the movies and the TV shows. And the I have- series. Well, not just the miniseries. And I have you largely to thank for this which is the the docu-series that exists oh, on Oh, God, they're a true addiction. They are because it's like you can go down the bunny hole of like, okay, this person, like the, there's one called The Ripper, which is about the Yorkshire Ripper, uh, was a serial killer that terrorized the north of England throughout, I think it was the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. And it just shows you the the behind the scenes what went on and I love all those like you know the whodunits evil genius don't fuck with cats tiger king I'm a huge Joe Exotic tiger king fan you know I, I don't like I like you know it was and luckily I was able to like have access to tiger king at the time everyone was hyping it up so I got a chance. You should, to... you should you should probably clarify by what what you mean by you're a huge Joe Exotic fan because that's a that's a serious yeah, statement. That, no, I mean like okay, I'm not a fan of him as an individual. Like I don't think that Joe Exotic should be free. I don't think. <laughs> no. He's a terrible human being, but I, agree. I was here for the but, show. But like, you know, there's a there's a word in German that's beautiful, and that word is Schadenfreude. I don't know if it's Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude or Schadenfreude or whatever, but it basically it's a word in German that describes the like that euphoria you get at the misfortune of others. Now I don't get joy at the misfortune of good people i get joy at the misfortune of evil people the bad people so like when for example the show i'm a killer yeah, yeah like the show i'm a killer on netflix docuseries fun fact the death penalty was reintroduced in 1976 in america 
and over 8,000 inmates have been sentenced to death and died from 1976 till now in America. When you watch each episode, there's a part of you that at the beginning, you're like, oh my God, this poor person, they've been incarcerated for 30 years. They've only spent like 13 years out of that in general population. The rest of that time, they've been in a hole with an hour's exercise. And then by the other half of it, you're like, oh God, I hope this guy never gets out and sees the light of day. You know, like it's, it's like that. But there was this one, the very first episode that hooks you in such a weird and surreal way that the guy was, and admittedly, he admits to being a killer. You know, he admits to waiting for his time to be executed. But he had been kept in isolation for so long that he had determined in isolation that he was going to get himself put onto death row by killing the first inmate that they put in the cell with him. As fate would have it, the inmate that they put in the cell with him was a convicted pedophile. He strangled a convicted pedophile to death. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, th this gets into a sticky subject, the death penalty. My views have been expressed now and then, but I, upon reading somebody, uh, two people exchanging commentary about death penalty, it's a very heavy, it's not an easy subject to, to determine whether somebody lives or dies. And it's, you know, through conversing with other people that are anti-death penalty, I find myself, you know, with that, you know, like that guy, the guy who wants to trigger everyone with the whole change my mind table, you know, the guy I'm talking about, he goes to university campuses and says something yeah. really inflammatory. And then he says underneath it, change my mind. Right. And unlike him, I find my mind changed. Like it's, it's a very, it's not up, you know, like, yeah, we can all say that that person deserves the death penalty. That person deserves to live. That person deserves this method of punishment. It's a very dark and hard to get into. But when you watch all of these different shows, all these different docu-series on Netflix and the way they're showing you the human society, because like my degree is sociology, the study of society. And I really think that if we had had Netflix back at the time of my university, I, I like, what would, like, I honestly wonder what would the world have been like if we were introduced because Joe Exotic existed. He wasn't someone that just blew up, you know, the year that the show was made, you know, he like he'd been around in his park since what was it, the 80s, the 90s? When did he first open the park? I don't have time for morons. <laughs> well, that's one way to, to end the discussion. That's one way to like just go, yeah, I'm not getting into that. Uh, I really couldn't care less about him. It's, it's the most honest I could be. I don't have time for morons. It's not that I can't stand him. He mm. doesn't cause me anxiety. I mm. don't think it was a wonderful show. I'm totally, totally apathetic to the whole thing. I told you this morning, say, human beings surround themselves with an average of 150 people that they interact with regularly through their life, right? 
on average? Well, when you start doing the wind, Joe Exotic, Joe Exotic is not is not someone I want in my headspace. He started his park in 1999, and it's funny because that was near around the time when Netflix was just starting out, approached Blockbusters and said, "Hey, we got this idea. Do you want to partner up?" And Blockbusters was like, "No, Blockbuster Video. We're going to make it a Blockbuster night." Shortly afterwards, this was when blockbusters started to lose business because Netflix went ahead and started their own. They started something that blockbusters didn't do enough of, which was like, you know, get in touch with us. We'll mail you DVDs of films to watch, and then you just mail them back. And it was something that yeah. blockbusters was like, well, why would we want to do that? You know, when people can come into the store get blockbuster store branded munchies as well as pringles and popcorn and whatever you know pick up their fizzy drinks their haagen does and you know drop the videos or the dvds and i used to work in blockbusters so it was actually a really nice if you've ever got into a blockbusters or you bought something from blockbusters or rented a movie from block if you're old enough to remember blockbusters you are the gifted generation that experienced the shift from Blockbusters okay, to Netflix. Guys, I also have no idea what he's talking about. Video rentals back in the day, people used to walk into these stores and the, oh, how horrible! Human interaction. How dare you request no masks? <laughs> and everybody getting AIDS and herpes happily. Well, that's that's a bit of an overstatement. That's an overstatement. You're 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 reaching there. But yeah, no, Joe Exotic. So he started <laughs> he started his zoo in 1999. And that would have been the thing. It's like the internet was young enough that at the time Joe Exotic was not known until the Netflix show. And, and it's just, it's such a, yeah. like, from an academic point of view, from sociology, from a sociological perspective, I do find the acceleration of interaction via technology, via Netflix and social media is actually something quite remarkable to behold. To behold. It's, it's... Well, you and I were speaking earlier on the phone and I said to you, and I don't know if we were recording at this time or if we were just on the phone before our meeting today. Mm. And I said to you, that somebody said something very, somebody very important to me said something to me, right? And he says it to me a lot. He said, what he said to me is it never ceases to amaze him how in this day and age, you can say something that, you know, you can put something out there, you can create something, anything right. and put it out there. And it has the potential to be seen by seven plus billion people. And if what you are going to put out there has that potentiality, what exactly, what are you putting out there? What is it that you have to say? I believe his exact words were, well, if that has the ability to be seen by 7.5 billion people, then what the fuck are you going to say? <laughs> right? That's... What the fuck are you going to say? Yeah. What are you going to put out there? Conversely, just as much as what you're saying matters, also, anybody can put out anything. So mm -hmm. the content you take in, the Two people you interact cup. with, the mm -hmm. the pro the the programs that you choose to Engage subscribe in. to the patterns of, that all affects you. It's it's one of the reasons I can't social media. I don't give a fuck. It, it's 
from a stand-up comedy point like of view, i would use social media as a very specific targeted networking tool only to centralize communication it, and i already have them the only good facebook does for me is initial contact and then from that point i want nothing to do with it if i want to see your work i'll look i'll look you up but exactly. i don't i don't need 92 photos of caitlin and her two-year-old in a tutu and what she had for breakfast last nine days i don't have time to scroll through that garbage for the actual shit that i'm trying to engage with the content you take in matters it does and it changes it changes the way you think and how you choose to use your brain and if you fill your brain with garbage your brain's gonna be fucking garbage <laughs> it has to be said that for me i've seen the good the bad and the ugly of social media in my life I was always on the I was always on the edge of technology in terms of like I can appreciate it, I use it, I enjoy it, but I also see the the dark side of the internet, the the dark space where haters congregate and trolls live under the bridges to come out once every now and then to like you know vex their opinions. But we shall wrap up by saying I think. The world of social media has a lot of potential if used correctly. I mean, obviously, you know, there are things that... Yeah, but for the better part of a decade, the the companies who are, are in charge of this community, and that doesn't mean regulation and censorship, but but you you have have created a platform. You have a responsibility to your platform. You have a responsibility to the people. If you are going to take on this role, if you are going to create this structure, then you have a responsibility to maintain that, to create something that pushes momentum forward in society. And thus far, social media giants and the internet giants have given me very little reason to believe that there's any actual investment. I don't, I don't care what good things you're doing if you're also doing these terrible things because, because there's, there's absolutely no excuse. You have, there's no excuse for the lack of altruistic thinking involved in running a community. I'll say this before we go. I mean, I myself have seen firsthand how the mighty giants of social media decide what content doesn't violate their guidelines when clearly yeah it does <laughs> you know like hold I'm on getting, and I, yeah and i've also experienced firsthand a lot of times where i have said something and the algorithms go against me to say something like you can't post this or you can't use this or whatever. There was an interesting moment though last year where I had tweeted, tweeted, I had posted on Facebook, hashtag Black Lives Matter, just that as a status. And I was very surprised, shocked and scared at the amount of people that started coming out as closet racists. And what was even scarier was how one individual, like two individuals, one started trying to tag me in all these neo-Nazi groups as if I would see the light and the error of my post and 
retracted or edited to all lives matter or something like that. It was disturbing, but there was something funny that happened. An individual had commented something so insensitive that somebody else called him the C word. And I turned around and said, yeah, you know what? My friend is right. You're nothing but this, you're nothing but a cunt. Facebook turned around and was like, no, this goes against our guidelines. Do you disagree and do you wish to appeal? And I was like, damn right, I wish to appeal. Damn right. So I was like, you know, tapping. It was on my phone. And I, I'll never forget it because, like, when I wrote the phrase of, like, you are a C word, the comment disappeared. And then that took me to that prompt of, like, do you want to appeal? And I was like, yes. And then in a matter of nanoseconds, the algorithmic agent assigned to observing this exchange between me and my closeted Nazi friend was that they agreed that I didn't go against the guidelines and that my statement still stood because even Facebook was like, no, 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 you are a C word. We agree with SAFE on this. You know, it's like, it was that rare victory and it gave me hope in the social media giant. Hear me out. When a social media giant now and then gets it right, now and then, but I know, I know for a fact, especially with what happened with the orange buffoon over the last five years, we have seen some horror, but we've also seen some damn good memes. The video of Biden on the drum, the bobbing head cat, and Trump dancing, you know that one? The one with the, with the dancing cat? That was, as you can see, like what I'm trying to say is like, there's the, yeah, there's the, the bad and the ugly, there's also the good in social media. There are the good people with accounts that are trying to make you feel like it's not all just shit and doom and gloom. There are good people. There are. There are. I don't, I don't have, so social media as a concept is incredible, right? It, right. it, has, it has propelled our world forward. <clears throat> I'm not going to argue that. And I'm not going to argue that there are good people out there trying to do genuinely good things using these tools. My issue is bigger than that. My mm. issue is not with the micromanagement of a few comments. And I understand that there are real censorship issues. And believe me, I am very fervent in my beliefs about the very real censorship issues. To me, whether or not you can say the word cunt is not a censorship issue. Mm -hmm. It's a preference issue. A censorship issue is the fact that Victoria's Secret models can post their nipples and naked photos and women, women who are just feeding their cancer. children cannot, right? Or who are, who are raising money for breast cancer cannot. My issue is that, that industries such as sex work, which everybody has a conflicting opinion on, but a very truly valid industries such as sex work, which the, the industry when someone gets into it of choice is a valid industry. And, and I personally have no issue with people who chose, choose to do that. That it's nicknamed, it's nicknamed the oldest profession for a reason. Right, right. Let's get over it. It's, it's only, it's, it's only been a few millennia. Maybe we should let it go, right? Let it go. It exists. It's not going anywhere. Get over it. 
You don't, you don't, guess what? You don't like sex workers? Don't go to a sex worker. You don't like it? Don't do it. Get the fuck over yourself. The world doesn't revolve around you and your dick. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about that issue. Back to social media. <laughs> You opened, you, you, you opened Pandora's box. Here we go. On My today's issue, episode. <laughs> on today's episode, we give Julia a microphone and she gets very angry. <laughs> Back to social media because you're not knocking me off this. My issue is Facebook created Facebook knowing what Facebook could become. Now they created it, they started it within colleges, within smaller networks, and they built it up to the giant that it is today, right? And the rest of what social media is followed through the, the swath of Facebook and, the, and the, 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 the sites and applications before it, right? I'm, I'm saying Facebook because we're talking about them specifically, but I, I know I'm well aware that there were others and, and other ones that are there. Right. Um, Facebook chose to take on the role that they have. They chose to create a company. They chose to branch out. They chose to open it. They chose to create these networks. They chose to create a platform for communities to be created. Mm -hmm. They made that decision. They made that decision. They made a decision to do something that would endemically shift the world from here on out. They have a responsibility that they must take in that decision. And they have met that decision with shady practices, non-answers, over-monetization, excessive monetization, right? Greed and proving that their policies are biased, unfair, and that they will jump ship. And the most blatant example of it is what they did with Trump. Twitter and Facebook gave him a platform and gave him a platform and gave him a platform. Donald Trump could not have become Donald Trump without social media. And mm. they had the ability to do that. Whether they should or not is a gray area. However, there were plenty of statements. And I'm not talking about banning Donald Trump supporter pages or refusing to allow people to talk about Trump. I am talking about direct reaction to Trump's direct actions, right? Mm. I am talking equal response, right? Reaction and reaction, right? Trump puts up, you know, things come out about Trump and, and, and you know, the whole sexual assault issues and all of that that come through it, they do nothing, right? Mm. Trump gets up and says inflammatory comments that are blatant lies that society knows that are lies and Facebook allows them to be propagated and furthered and pushed and pushed and pushed. If Facebook has the ability to take down the post from Sheila in Ohio, because there's a tiny nip slip when she's feeding her infant, Facebook has the ability to create an algorithm that would have called the amount of mass posts of lies that were coming out. It's bullshit, it's bullshit. And it's not, it's not Mark against free speech, it's, it's not, it's garbage. They didn't do it. And for four years, they let him run wild on platform after platform after platform, the most powerful companies in the world. The issue that they're worried about, about backlash, bullshit. They're too powerful for that. Bullshit, bullshit. 
they're they're not going to take down Facebook. That's garbage. It's 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 garbage to garner sympathy. It's they jumped ship as soon as they knew they could, and as soon as they knew it wouldn't hit the bottom line. They don't give a shit about their community, and they don't give a shit about the impact of what their actions are. Well, I mean, like as we come to our close and leading towards a positive direction somehow after that rant. Um, it's fine. It was a well-placed rant and it is vocalizing what a lot of people are feeling. However, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And we don't oh, know this devil though. No, I'm not. Wait, I didn't finish. The problem was that when I know you've seen it, I've seen it. Some of our listeners might have seen the social dilemma. Those who haven't might find it very enlightening because the people speaking in that were all development of the social media giants that we know and use Instagram, Facebook, yeah. Twitter. People, people need to watch the social dilemma because on a mass scale, humanity on a mass scale, right, globally needs to understand the real impact. intrinsic intrinsic impact that that social media has on every single decision that you make it is not just a flippant i don't care if you only go on social media like i do just to engage on watching funny videos and listening to voiceovers and communicate it's targeted it's patterned it's it's very scary and you need to understand the amount of impact that that has on your agency and volition and 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 what you consider your free speech and free thought i mean obviously one thing we will need to emphasize is unfortunately because that film was made before the world got hit with covid and now that we're all using social like a lot of us are now using twitch a lot of us are using discord but luckily the thing about discord is that it's kind of very encrypted it's super encrypted and it's relating to channels that are on twitch and those are developing communities um facebook is in itself a battlefield of opinion versus fact versus science versus politics versus religion. It's essentially because we're no longer able to go outside into the real world, we've made Facebook our real world, which is a very scary, I'm all speaking now from the bottom of my heart to all of our listeners. One thing a lot of comedians will say about social media is that it's a tool. Use it like a tool, but don't use it for your information. There are these things, they're called books. You know, read books for your information. Um, when it comes to cultures and learning about other cultures, try to engage with people from the cultures you're learning about, rather than going with the rest of the crowd that are condemning a particular culture, particular ethnicity, particular way of thinking with exceptions, of course, like neo-Nazis, you know, like as Steve Hofstetter says- We can says, write them off. 
as Steve Hofstetter says so aptly, you know, in his stand-up when he's like going, I never thought we would have to say that, you know, yeah, Nazis, they're the fucking problem. Unless you were talking about the plot of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, what's the problem in Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark? Nazis. Nazis are the fucking problem. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like, it wouldn't be something that we'd be having a discussion about, like, you know, the good old boys, the proud boys, Confederate flag, you know, all right. that jazz. It's... It's tricky when we talk about the freedom of speech, especially in social media, because a lot of things on social media, as you pointed out, you know, breast cancer awareness, um, uh, mastectomy uh, survivors showing naked breasts and then getting censored, whereas, you know, Victoria's Secrets and Summers and all other adult themed marketed registered in that capacity of so, so there's a very a razor edge. To clarify, edge. to clarify, yeah. I would like to say to clarify, micro statement. Go on. Not for the banning of the boobs. All right, <laughs> quite the opposite. Quite the opposite, actually. I like, would I'm welcome. Not... <laughs> I would welcome a lovely. Pair right, of right. Boobs I'm like free right the nipples, now. right? Like, like. Other than my own, which are all hairy and manly. Um, yes, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to Saveable Candles, the adult show with no name. Moving on. Had to bring some humor after all that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a special episode of the show with no name. We've talked about everything ranging from Bernie Sanders, Bernie Mac, memes, trains and automobiles, Mel Brooks, Jules has had a couple of rants, but lovable rants that a lot of our listeners can probably engage and agree with. Some might think she's a little tad cray cray, but it's okay. We still love her. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we're definitely going to find out after this episode. <laughs> well, we did talk a while back about you and I, we should record an episode or two. And we just happen to have the timing and the ability and the lighting and the and the setup. So it was only a matter of time before people understood the dynamic. I first met Julia last year doing an Instagram live with Kai Humphreys, who we will be getting on later on. I went February. on a, I did another angry rant on that one. <laughs> All right, no more angry rants for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> you, you've reached your angry rants quota. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting. I'm the bartender that'd be like, you know, girl, you've had enough. Reach for the Care Bear. Here, have a Care Bear on the house. Wait, when you say this podcast, do you mean this, like the entire podcast or like this episode? This because episode. I'm definitely not going to make it through the entire podcast. No, no, no. This episode, obviously. I have one at least one an episode. And yeah, and, and have fun editing this episode. <laughs> Jules' daily episode. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie safe. I'm really going to enjoy editing this. I'm sure you are. I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm going to get back it's to It's going to take a while. I'm not going to rush it. No, 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 no. I mean, like, we're good in terms of, like, if I just quickly consult the schedule, you're kind of... You do it because my internet's all funky. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, you have to have it ready by the 7th of February. Okay, that's fine. So that is literally two a week. You've got 14 days to do this. That's doable. I want to go to like, bed. You're going to do the wrap up for this episode. <laughs> You're just going to do the listening. Thank you. Or I'll do it. 
So listeners, thank you for listening to this, especially definitely stand out from the rest of the other episodes. Episode of very colorful, very colorful and funny and maybe slightly triggering uh, to some, (laughs) to some people. Do try to take care and make 2021 a year that stands apart. You know, if you have any projects that are in the creative world, be it a screenplay, be it a podcast, and you'd like Free Space International to be a consultant on that, you can reach them with freespace.connect at gmail.com. That's freespace, one word. Free as in free as a bird. Like the bingo square. Space as in space oddity by David Bowie. Dot as in what comes at the end of a sentence. Connect. Oh my God, I'm editing all of this. Connect as in what two people do. At, which is a symbol. Gmail, provided by Google. Dot, again, a period. Com, as in commerce on the internet. Have fun editing all that, Julia. (laughs) Good old middle finger salute, giving me the bird. (laughs) Oh, I need to tell you this. (laughs) A heavy, if you ever get pissed off at someone, have I ever shown you the 50 cal fuck you gun? No, why? Why would I do that? You get a box of your 50 cal ammunition, put it in, you load it up, you load that thing, and then you just fire away. Never mind. Um, so that'll be funny for video. That's, that's for a fun. I don't, I don't, if I'm at the point where I'm saying fuck you to someone, I'm no longer <laughs> that amount of energy to that. Allow me to say that clearly. If, if I am at I the point I shall express my am... fuck off in a mime of expressive <laughs> dance. If I am at the point where I am saying fuck you to someone, I have no longer committed that amount of energy to that person. But be creative and colorful. Anyway, um, I've been safe. You deserve my colorfulness. Well, I'm glad to have your colorfulness on Safeable Candles, the show with no name podcast special episode with Julia Felix and myself, Safeable Candle. We are available on nine platforms, Julia. We are available on Anchor, on on Breaker, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and of course, Spotify, as well as Stitcher. The Show With No Name podcast is available. There is a lot of bad language, so children, we apologize if you've learned some interesting new swear words. You're welcome. Peace be upon you, namaste, and all that jazz. Thank you.